This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. All right, another waterfall Wednesday. I have a special guest this week because Nick J is off gallivanting in some corner of the earth with his new bride down in Peru or Argentina or somewhere in South America. I don't remember where. So, anyways, we needed uh, I needed a waterfall Wednesday this week, so I reached out to David Goose, and he was kind enough to join me via the telephone. So here we go, David. You ready to talk some waterfall? I'm always ready to talk waterfall. Yeah. Ah, especially geeses. A lot oh, of fuzzballs yeah. running around, and man, do they grow fast! They do. Holy they do. smokes! I was just looking yeah. at literally fuzzballs last week, and now like where I'm working down by Rochester there I saw them today and they're like half the size of the adults already it's crazy okay yeah yeah I've seen I've seen a decent amount around here I was going to kind of ask you kind of what you're you had been seeing as far as hatch wise so far I'd say pretty average yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think I'm seeing an abnormal amount you know what I mean right. like I, I'm I'm seeing them consistently. I'm, I'm seeing good-sized broods. Uh, you know, you're seeing those where the families are, you know, they kind of start babysitting, you know, right. for lack of better words. Like, one pair will have, like, all of them, you know, like 26 babies behind it. And then right. there's a couple pair, you know, and they're eating in the grass, and then there's another pair way over there, and they're kind of parenting by committee at that point. But I don't – yeah, I'm not seeing anything – you know, without having any real data, just right. anecdotal, I, I think we're, I think it's an average hatch. Average, yeah. That's 
that's kind of what I've been seeing. I mean, like you said, I mean, the brood size seems just fine. The only thing that, like, alarms me a little bit is just, I, this could, this is just from what I've seen so far, but I've just kind of, I feel like I haven't seen as many families so far as I have in other springs. Sure. And you know maybe, I mean? and, and we've had some really good, I think we've had some record hatches in, in recent times too. So it could be by comparison, you know, like the fact right. that it's just not a record year. We're like, why am I not seeing so many? It's like, well, maybe, maybe that's abnormal to see that many. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Which obviously we all want a record hatch. That's more young, dumb ones for us in the fall, but, um, or does it, does that, is that what that means? Cause it seems like, right. you know, we're shooting more molts than we are actual young of the year. It seems those are sure. starting to flock up. Oh, and yeah. They're getting ready. I think we're going to act. I think we're going to legitimately see, see if you agree with this. And this is like almost on exactly on time for calendar wise is Memorial day weekend. I think we're going to see legit big flock migrations this weekend headed North. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've already seen some big flocks rolling through and I'm getting, I got a bunch of Snapchats and whatnot for my buddies in Fergus at like a week ago and they were starting to roll. Oh, they're there. already starting to roll. Cause I haven't seen any real, but I've seen some decent sized flocks, but I wouldn't call them migrators because they, I don't, they just weren't that high. And there's been a fair amount of, um, field feeds around me. Sure. In the last week or so. And this is kind of what I end up seeing is like these these kind of local flocks, if you will, the non-breeders or maybe failed breeders, whatever, are starting to flock up and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like right about the time where I pass the field and I go, holy shit, that's a lot of geese. Again, right. this is just straight anecdotal. You know, it'd be one thing. It'd be, it'd be great if I kept like a journal so I could look at the calendar and see when this coincides. But once I kind of hit that holy shit mark, it's usually like a day or two later where all of a sudden it's just one day of constant goose calling and they're a mile high and they're boogieing. Right, right. And I, I think you could be right about this weekend, though. I think I think we might see a decent amount. Yeah, I think they're going to start rolling here real quick because, again, no, I'm starting to see bigger and bigger flocks and fields. Nothing that has really made me go holy shit quite yet, but they're getting bigger. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It always, honestly, it always makes me super excited. Cause I, you know, obviously love to hunt them in September, but it, it's kind of fun. It's, uh, it makes me super jacked for September seeing them roll through, you know, <laughs> it's, and it's always kind of a bittersweet thing too, right? Cause you're like, Oh yeah, here they go. Molts are pushing North. And that just means goose hunting is right around the corner in September. And you're like, fuck, it's not even summertime yet. Holy shit. Pump the brakes. Like, <laughs> right. Let's have a little bit of summer before we blow right into fall. And then the snow starts flying again. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It'll, uh, it'll be, It'll be interesting to see if they if they do roll this weekend. I'm actually going up north, so I'm going to be kind of curious, like to see what I see for you know goslings and stuff up north. You know what I mean? Yeah. Up on the lakes yep. up there. Cause well, we're going to be up fishing. Where Where are you going? Uh, we're going Hackensack area. Okay, I'll be up around Brainerd. So, and we we're I was sure. up there last year, and there's or not last year, last weekend, and there's a uh, yeah, there there's a fair amount up there, but that's you know, babies, mamas and babies. I, I haven't seen any. I didn't see any groups of big groups of non-breeders or anything, so it will be interesting sure. to see what we see, like how far they, how far moves they make. That was something that I was going to ask Nick, 
if he has seen any of this data um, with these GPS, like how, how big a jumps are these birds making? Right. You know, are they, we know that they go to Winnipeg to molt, but are they doing it in one shot or are they kind of feed jumping their way? Like, do we have any maps of that? You know, you know what I mean? Like, are they going 60 miles at a time or following some sort of agricultural, you know, the wheat or, or whatever? And then right. Well, I would imagine a lot of it. I would imagine a lot of it just depends on. You're talking springtime. Yeah, yeah. Talking yeah. spring, like right now. I would like, imagine a lot of it's like what's cut. You know, like if they don't have any food, they're they'll probably just keep rolling or do or maybe sit yeah, on a lake for a few days or something. Yeah, because I've kind of seen it. The fields I'm seeing them in are kind of all over the map. Like I've seen some in cornfields that haven't been disked up yet and planted. I've seen some in just straight dirt fields that I assume maybe have just been planted. Maybe there's some young shoots of something growing up. It's hard to say, but it just looks like a straight dirt field. Um, And then of course you got your grass eaters too, but yeah, I'd like to see the data on that. If, if they're making it, once they kind of decide like, all right, it's time to get North we're not breeding or we tried breeding. It failed. It's time to boogie, go molt. Are they going straight to Winnipeg in one shot or are they kind of bouncing around? Right. Right. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Nick J knows, knows something about that. He'd, he would know, or he'd at least fake a really believable answer. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? Have you seen like the small grain fields that are like growing like weeds already? Oh yeah, we're gonna have another oh, yeah. problem like we had last year. I think where it's gonna get cut in like the beginning part of August. It's gonna mess up all our like the timing is gonna be. It's gonna mess up all our opening day hunts. Yeah, like like last year, I went out of my way to like line up some small grain fields like super early. Like I was all jacked up. I got this giant wheat field. It just looked gorgeous. I'm like, yes, this is gonna be awesome. And then yeah, he cut it like the second week of August. So it was absolute oh, yeah. garbage by September 1st. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, perfect. There were a lot of guys scrambling last year. Yeah, I think that's, I think the same thing's going to happen this year, if, if not even earlier. Right, right. So it's back to going to be like hay fields and silage corn. I, I mean, what else is there? Right, right. Well, and I don't know if you remember even last year, like it almost seemed like our feeds – just like some of them just totally didn't exist anymore, but some of them just downsized like from, you know, they'd go from 150 geese to 25 geese. Did yeah. you see that too? Yeah. It was a weird year for us last year. You know, we, we, uh, had that opening weekend success where everybody had that molt push and yep. that was great. And then it, boy, did it go downhill after that? Like, and then that cold snap and then warm up that we had in the middle of October really screwed things up even more. It went back and forth a lot yeah. last year. Yeah, I oh. hope we don't do that again this year. It was it was kind of a brutal year last year for me, anyways. Um, those short those short little spurts when we had snow though sure were greasy though. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, snow is always but, always good. Get some yeah. panicky. We definitely could have used some of that, I think, up north this year, up in Fergus. Yeah. Boy, like, even when you were up there with us, I think if we would have had a little snow, we would have we would have killed more geese for sure. Yeah. For, that, I was, 
I was pretty impressed though with how many birds are around. You know, it's like it's kind of crazy. What do you think is going to happen with that? And they shut that plant down now. You know, I don't. I don't know. I. I definitely. I don't think it's going to be a night and day difference. I think if it gets cold, it will be. But from my experience, because I've been hunting um, up there with pit properties in Fergus for three years now, and you know, there's obviously there's the levee, but there's so much other water that the geese use that well, has that, that stuff in town on the Ottawa River. I mean, that's going to be open. Right. 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 And yeah, and I mean it for the for what I saw anyways, I obviously wasn't up there, but from what I saw it even stayed open a good amount of the winter this this last winter. So sure. And then obviously there's yeah, there's other roosts that have no way of of, you know, staying open by themselves at all that hold geese, you know, just about till it gets that hard cold snap at the end of the season. So I think the geese are still going to are still going to go there and they're going to still hang out there. I think if it gets cold, it might change things, but I think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be just fine. Yeah. It'll yeah. Be, it's it's going to be a, a good case study this year just to see. And so much, and so much, but just like I said, it is weather dependent. You know, if we have a milder than normal year or beginning of the winter, well, shit, they could be there, you know, right up till the time season closes. But if we get right. one of these really abnormally cold where everything locks up, you know, first week in November deer season. Well, that changes everything, you know? Right. Right. Well, even in, even when the, the levee was turned on and still running and everything, um, last or not last year, but two years ago, we were up there and it got cold. I mean, at the beginning of December, it got super cold. And I got a buddy down in Des Moines, Iowa, and it was kind of crazy. We were up there running hunts and whatnot. Um, I believe the last weekend in November and it got cold during the week and I was getting, uh, Snapchats from my buddy in Des Moines of double rivet bands sitting in Des Moines, like oh, they, sure. just night and day difference Yeah, straight, straight to Iowa. You know what I mean? So yep. even when the levee, even when the levee was running, I mean, he still did that. So yeah, I'm wondering if like Monticello doesn't kind of become a new, that's already kind of a hot spot because of the plant there but i wonder if they're gonna pick up even more birds yeah we'll have to see we'll have to see everybody's kind of got their own theory you know i've heard you know monticello i've heard more are gonna go to lacaparo you know i've heard some are gonna go farther west i've heard all kinds of stuff well, what, so what's I, in lacaparo that would stay, what would be open i don't know i think it i think it that theory is more based off of just the historic yeah I mean, they still need open type, water you know? i mean Right, right, and I honestly yeah, don't, I, know. I don't know. I've never been. I've that. never been to Lacoparo, so I don't even know what kind of watershed it is. I have no. I have zero information on it. I have no idea. Right. Maybe it does stay right. open late. Maybe, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I I haven't hunted out there all that much myself either. But I think it's going to be a five. I'll say five year kind of like ob. Like we'll be observing it for five years, and it's going to be dependent on the weather because no year is the same with weather. You know what I mean? Exactly. So if we have a mild year, I don't think that's going to be a true like tell of what the geese are going to do because you know they they'll probably still just hang out in Fergus like they always do. But if it gets really cold, I think that's when that's when the biggest 
difficulties are going to come in and that's when the geese are going to change their behavior. That's just what I think. But Yeah, we're just going to it's going to be a wait and see. I mean, I mean what else is there? You can we can speculate all we want, but the only thing we do know is the birds are going to do what they want to do and we're going to have to roll with the punches to to stay on them for sure. Right. Yeah, I don't. Right. It's, it's going to it's going to be kind of crazy. It's just it's such a thing the the Fergus thing just gets brought up so much because of, you know, the the guiding that goes on up there with the pits and everything. It's like Right. Well, and that's a whole other aspect, you know, is it is it going to turn more into kind of uh run and gun style hunting with, you know, A-frames and layout blinds or like are the pits still going to be just awesome, you know, like that's a question that people have asked. Cuz I know like even like Roch, it kind of when it gets cold, the river's still open, but you got to you got to put the miles on to find them a little more. You can't just you know, run traffic on paper right. all day. Well, and I know? think I think it becomes a numbers game. You know, if it's just it's holding some birds, which like we're pretty sure Fergus will still hold some birds. Will there be enough open water to hold enough birds to effectively run traffic on these pit fields? Is right. what it's going to come down to, or like, yeah, you're going to have to chase feeds, mm-hmm. which you know that just that changes the game, you know, big time, big time, yeah. big time, yeah. <laughs> Big time, big time change. I kind of hope it doesn't. You know, having that experience with you up there, which was awesome, uh, I'd never done that, you know, being in a pit and, and cooking, you know, just hanging out, having heaters, eating a hot meal. Like, that's bad. Those, uh, those goose burritos <laughs> you made were fantastic, Dale. Yeah, those things are good. That's I, I, are. I, I love doing that for people because just so many people just give – goose meat such a bad name and i'm like listen this is easy it's quick and i'm telling you it's delicious right (laughs) yeah no they're good i haven't had a haven't had a bad review of them yet right takes 15 minutes so it's well and and going back to the whole fergus thing too i mean there like there's multiple roosts in town too so that could be a whole nother thing that why I, the pits might still be good. I mean, they're probably still going to be good. It's just about, like, where the geese sit in Fergus when it gets cold. You right. know, like, I think that will affect the, the, the actual, like, huntability of the pits. I, I, no doubt in my mind will you be able to kill geese out of the pits up there at some point. It's just, like, what's going to happen when it gets cold, you know? You know, you bring up a valid point. It might, it might become real similar to Roch in that, it seems to me that the the good days as far as the pit fields around Rochester are those weather days, which right. I mean seems kind of like an obvious statement, but um, they can there's still banner days to be had. Right, it's going to be more weather dependent than it has in the past. Past more than likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a wait and it's a wait and see game. It's going right. to be interesting. Uh, it's I'm I'm kind of a very like scientific mind going into this season about because I don't even hunt up there hardly at all I mean like or ever I did it I think with you is the first time I've actually solely hunted geese I've gone up there during the duck season a few times to you know, hunt the potholes but I that was That's the right. first time I legit went up there to goose hunt so yeah but it, it'll be an interesting case study to see to see what happens if anything you know, I mean, that's the other. Right, if anything, that's, that's, that is a good point. That's the other. That's the other option is that maybe nothing changes. You know, I mean, exactly, exactly. 
again, again, so weather dependent. If it's a mild, like I said earlier, if it's mild, shit, those geese are going to be there. So, right, hard to right. say. I think the only X factor is that because of the power plant, that when surrounding areas froze sooner, they would congregate there instead of leaving the entire area. So, right. But then, then I think you're looking at a short window of time too, where it's like this is the place to be because it's the only open water, if you will. And then, well, even, even this year, I think some of our, like our best stretch was even before there was like, anybody would even think about the, the water in town freezing up. Too. Right. Like well, they were. Yeah. And that, a lot of that might just have to do with uh crop harvest. Right. You know? Like if, if the crops are coming off and that, Around Fergus, that's going to be a hot spot regardless of what the weather's doing. Mm-hmm. These birds are going to find that fresh food source and take advantage of it for sure. So we'll have to right. we'll have to wait and see. What is your opinion on? Um, and, and Nick and I have talked about this probably a little too much, but because I have a fresh brain, I'm going to hit you with it. Um, how do you feel about the? silhouette decoys right now and the popularity of them um that's a good question um i think because i've been a fan of silos for a long time but i i do think that it is something that will phase out the i i won't i'm not going to say that you won't be able to kill geese over them but i think if we get too many people running I just I think that peop, the geese are seeing way bigger spreads because of silhouettes. Like they're on average seeing bigger spreads more often. Because back kind of when I first like started hunting migrators and all that type of stuff, like I always thought like a a big spread was power. And there are days when a big spread is power. But now that silhouettes are so popular, your average Joe Schmo is running a bigger decoy spread. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I think as a whole, geese are seeing more bigger spreads. So it's kind of taking the effectiveness out of like this, these mega spreads or whatever that maybe is taking away some of the effectiveness of it that maybe we had five years ago or four years ago or whatever. Yeah, and I think I think what geese are really good at is adapting and getting conditioned. And so, like, it's almost like chasing the trends. And you actually, I think, to be a successful goose hunter year in and year out, to not be a chaser, but to buck the trends and be different. Right. You know, so, you know, and, 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 and God bless Dive Bomb. I mean, they, you know, whatever, whoever's on their marketing team or whoever, I mean, they just blew up, you know. And not that they're the only ones, you know, obviously you got big owls doing a great job too and uh job, yeah um you know it's it's not a knock on any of them but the popularity of the skinnies just got so big and 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 it was you know financially it was like a great affordable way to get a big spread and i think right. you're right that in the back of a lot of people's minds are like oh bigger is better more drawing power blah 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 and it's like when everybody's running the same spread I just think the uh, it doesn't take long before the effectiveness of that particular spread, whether it be silhouettes, shells, 
socks, full bodies, you know, it, it's going to go down. You know, I kind of, right. before, before the silhouettes got really popular, I think just from the monetary aspect of it, of what people could afford, it seemed like five dozen full bodies was kind of like the most common spread out right. there. And I just started seeing these spreads just lose their efficacy, you know. And I remember right. hunting a, a, a really heavily pressured area in Lake Elmo, and it was one of those scenarios where two different parties had permission to the same field, so we hunted together. And then we kind of like, well, how do we want to do this? And it was my opinion going into it. I said, I think we either need to run the refuge spread, every decoy every one of us owns and blacken out this field, or we need to go all the way to the opposite and let's put 18 of them out, 18 of our best right. decoys out and make sure our hide is as pimping as it can be. And right. then I think that's our only chance of having success. And so right. we get and there, and what do they do? Time. They proceed to open their trailer and put out their five dozen decoys, and you can imagine how that hunt went. I think we shot two. Sure. You know, I mean, and just reading the bird's body language, it's like they've seen it. I mean, just that's just what it looked like. It's like they weren't hardcore flaring. They were like they'd be coming. It's like as soon as they got close enough to realize there, there was another five dozen decoys spread, they're like, mm, yeah, I don't think so. Right. Right. It's just, so I guess – like my theory on it as like with silos is it's it's not the the decoy themselves i think it's just obviously i just think it's how hunters are using them so i think silhouettes obviously give people the ability to run bigger spreads for cheaper for easier you don't have to store as many so they're running bigger spreads but i i don't i don't necessarily think that a full body versus a silhouette is really going to make that big of a difference. I think it's more of the numbers, numbers than it is actual be. silhouette. That's what I think. I think that's a, a good perspective on it. I, I do think, um, and I'm not trying to shit on silhouettes by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's another tool in the box. Like if you have to hike in your decoys to a field for right. whatever reason, that there's your choice. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's for sure. That's the way I'm going. Um, but I think I'm going to start, this year I really kind of want to experiment with some smaller spreads, you know, just go um, smaller, more realistic in air quotes spreads. Right. You know, and and see right. just running it different, you know. If everybody's running these giant silhouette spreads or they're still running the five dozen full bodies, well, throw a dozen and a half at them. See what happens. Right. You know, if nothing else. Maybe they'll get closer before they realize it's a decoy spread, and they might be in range at that point. Well, and I think, and I know, I remember I was talking to Nick Jay about this too. Actually, like a lot of it's like your field breakdown. Like if you can get by with a smaller spread, like do it. Like if you if you're running traffic on a roost and you have a hill, you know, slanted down towards it, run a smaller spread. You know, but if you're like in this flat field, it's probably a little bit harder to do that. You know what I mean? Right, or like depending on the cover in that in that field, mm -hmm. you know, because like you know, combine cornfield decoys don't stick out very good. You know, that might be that might be a time to use some black and white silos. You know, just don't run just because you have five dozen. Just don't run all five dozen. You know, mm -hmm. 
There's no law right. saying you have a you have a bag full of five dozen silhouettes. You got to put every last one of them out. You know. Right. Throw two right. dozen out there. If the black and whites and they stick out really good in that field, it's probably all you need. You know. What uh? What are your thoughts now that we're on the topic? What are your thoughts about mixing full bodies and silhouettes? Uh, I don't really have a strong opinion on it. I, I don't see anything bad about it, I guess. Okay. Because I, I, I think by the time that geese get wise to it, it's probably too late. Sure. You know, I think I agree with Nick in this. He's like, when you when you watch birds that when you're actually putting landing birds in a decoy spread, they kind of all kind of have that confused look on their face like, how come these geese aren't moving? Why, you know, there are all these mani- goose mannequins around me. You know, like, that's, they, they kind of act weird when they when they first put down. Like, they know something's up. They're just not quite sure what. And I think, I mean, I've landed enough birds among silhouettes that I don't think it's a detriment. So I don't know what mixing them would, why that would make any difference. Right, right. Well, I know that's just something that, that people talk about, you know. Sure. Well, or, or whether you should mix them or whether you should have them separate or, you know, whatever. I know that is a, a topic think, of discussion. I think it's an easy thing. I think it's an easy villain if the day isn't going well. You right. know what I mean? Like if the birds are decoying and you're shooting, you're not even picking apart your spread. You're just high-fiving and going, oh, they're doing it to the boot bags today. This is awesome. But when the birds are either flaring or just not being committal and they're going, you know, they're just not doing it, then you start picking apart your spread. You're like, what's wrong? Is our hide wrong? Is it our decoys? Is it this? Is it that? You know, then it's the human analytical brain just kicks in. And I think when you have mixed decoys, that's like just something really easy for your eyes to go to and make that the problem, whether that's the problem or not. Right. You know, because unfortunately – it's not something that you can, it's not a scientific experiment you can reset in real time, you know. To know if that was the real problem or not, you would have to go, okay, geese, go back to the roost. We're going to we're gonna pull the silhouettes and see what happens. And action, you know. It's like, and you have to right. call the exact same way. You have to hit all the same notes at the same time in order to, you know, repeat it to see, you know, to find out what, you know, did they do the same thing? Did they act differently? And you just, that's unrealistic you just don't get to do that in in the real world there's right. too many other x factors involved even if you got multiple flocks coming in and you have enough time to modify your spread just because that flock did it and that flock didn't there's still no way to prove that it, they did it because you moved something that flock right. may have been coming here the whole time no matter what you did you know you could have right. been sitting in your pickup truck and they were still going to come to that that field and there's there's just no way to prove that well, and there's just that percentage that, like, even on the days that you feel like you can't do anything wrong and you're just smashing geese, there's always some geese that don't do it, too. You know? Right. There's, like, always those couple groups that are just flat-out smart or just did not want to get shot that day or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, just... or they weren't coming to that field anyways, but because there was decoys and you were calling that maybe they deviated from their path just a little bit, like, hey, what's over there? It's like, ah, forget it. We're going over that field anyways. You know, it's like, right. boy, if, if you could figure out what goes on in their little pea brain, <laughs> you'd I make know. a lot of money. <laughs> uh, 
I obsess about it, Dale. Well, it's, yeah, well, you and me both. I, th- I think we have a tendency to overthink it a lot of times. And oh, yeah. I always feel like if there was a – if it was an exact science, if there was a perfect recipe for it, somebody would have already found it who was much smarter than I am and would be would be doing it and we're just not seeing it. You know what I mean? Like nothing is a for sure thing. Right. They're, right. They're wild animals. Weather changes. There's just so – like I said, there's just so many X factors. You got weather changes, when certain crops come out or don't come out, water, you know, like availability, everything. So many things. Hunting pressure, just like what we stated already, you know, um, conditioning to, you know, decoy wariness or whatever it might be. It's Right. I think people need to just be a little more courageous and think outside the box. Like, (laughs) I talked about it and I haven't done it. I said I was going to do it last year and I didn't and I really think you should try it this year, is putting out a small white spread and just laying out whites. See what happens. Right. I mean, right. these birds have, haven't seen it. You want to talk about visibility? Well, shit, those snow goose decoys are going to stick out from a long distance. Right. You know? Right. Well, and, and we we I would say we probably agree on this. I, I guess I haven't asked you about it, but, like, layout blinds, you know, people have been hunting out of layout blinds for a long time now, and but it's it's almost seems like they can just pick those suckers. Oh out, yeah, know? for sure. Like and, they are like, but they probably never used to. Like they probably used to be the best way to hunt geese, but now sure. it's like they're looking for layout blinds. So yeah. a white hide might be a better option. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. not all the time, but yeah, not all the time. I think they would pick up on it really quick. But it's like it works in the fall. That's what we do in North Dakota. We don't. Like the darkies are like secondary. We run our big white spread, and we'll throw, you know, we'll throw some dark decoys out for sure. But we're just laying in whites, and we're shooting geese in the face at twenty yards. You know, they're coming right in. Right. Not a layout blind to be seen. So why wouldn't it work in the fall in Minnesota? They don't know that there's not supposed to be snow geese here. (laughs) Know what I mean? And there's plenty of swans around that it probably wouldn't look weird anyways. Who knows? I wonder, like, with early, like, like geese that were, you know, that summered around here, if it would have a difference. Because obviously those geese aren't seeing snow geese. Right. Not that they have, you know, I'm talking like yearling geese. You sure, know? sure. But those are usually the dumber ones anyway, so. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I remember being frustrated quite a few early seasons where, you know, like, oh, so much for the young, dumb ones. Like, they're still flaring. They're still not doing it. I actually kind of think them, the the actual, like, local geese, if you will, the ones that were raised in that area, might be harder to hunt because you're on home, home field advantage. They've been feeding right. in this field or around this field all summer long. And now all of a sudden there's things in Lay this field wide. that weren't in this field before. Yeah, you geese know. and yeah, decoys and layout blinds or whatever. Yeah, they weren't. They're like, wait a minute, this this wasn't here yesterday. Something's off. Something's different. You know, whether maybe it's just you know truck traffic. Who knows? You know, I think I think Nick J alluded to that. He's like, I wonder if if as we closer we get to hunting season, just the amount of pickup trucks that are slow rolling these flocks, 
not necessarily like tip them off per se. Like I don't think they're that intelligent, but just kind of put them on edge. You know, the fact that they're now they're not they're not just being left alone in the field. Now they're kind of being lightly harassed. You know what I mean? Right. Does that start put them on? Does that is that already kind of just raising their awareness level? Like there's a there's a there's a building threat. I had that happen one time, and it was this was a probably one of the bigger feeds I've ever hunted, um, and it was a relatively flat field. It was a cornfield. There were tons of mallards, tons of geese. I mean, probably one of the bigger feeds I've ever set up on. But, and I had permission on the field. It was a, a field I've been hunting for a long time. The farmer had over 25 people ask permission on that Holy spot. Holy shit. <laughs> and it, like I said, it was a flat field. You could drive right up next to him. I actually, there was so stuffed, and it, like you could drive so close to these geese that I actually saw a band about a foot off the ditch grass oh, wow. in the corn. Yeah, we ended up shooting that band, actually. That's nice. A, that's another story. But <laughs> those geese, we ended up actually... Uh, there were so many people scouting them, they switched feeds. But the the field was in a place where um, it was still an awesome traffic spot, and obviously those geese had been in there before. So we set up on it. We actually had a decent hunt. But I have to attest it to the fact that there were people stopping by them. There were people driving 10 miles an hour by them, mm-hmm. and they just flat out left. Yeah, I mean, there was plenty of feed- food in that field too when we got out there sure yeah i I think i think that can definitely lead to it especially if it's you know high high human traffic area that right you know they start like i said they start they're getting slow rolled now by pickup trucks when they weren't exactly previous and that probably has something to do with it too um yeah so many things to think about david so many things (laughs) so So many things what how about the uh the to talk about the five bird limit have you talked about that on your podcast at all or oh yeah oh for sure i mean i'm all for it I, I i think it's great um okay nick had a weird what's your what's your uh i thought nick had a weird like opinion on it. he thought it would be detrimental he's like people are going to hunt longer than they normally would have which is going to put them in contact with more geese it's going to pressure is going to be more of a factor you know I would have to say I would have to say I have to agree with Nick J on that one. I think the very thing we've been talking about here, and, and that's educated, like smart geese. I think I don't think the the five bird limit would. I, I think that would only make it all worse, in my opinion. I think it, I think you might be partially right. I think um, you're definitely going to have more opportunity to condition more geese um, if there's validity to our claim in that aspect. But I also think that. The days that the, you're getting ignored, you're getting ignored, whether you're, whether your limit's three, five, or 50. And right. if you're not actually shooting at birds, what real damage are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, it's already a shitty day. It doesn't matter what your limit is, you know. But in those days where it's working, it's not going to take you that much longer to get three or five birds. If they're doing That's it, true. if they're doing it dirty, you know, I, I just, I like having it. I like having the option that when it all works, you can really capitalize on it, mm-hmm. I guess. And and that's my opinion on it anyways. 
and I do think it, I think it's going to be an overall better thing as far as um, attracting and retaining hunters, which is that, the reason they're doing it. Factor, yeah, yep. You know, it's not gonna. I don't. It's not gonna have an impact on the overall population. It's just, you know, that's what the that's what the DNR's main goal is. We're losing we're losing hunters, and they're trying to find ways to to attract more and retain. So, I, in that aspect, I think it's a good thing, and it just means you're gonna have to hunt smarter. I mean, I think you already have to do anyways. I mean, Minnesota has get such so much hunting pressure in the state that you know if you're if you're not thinking outside the box if you're not constantly analyzing stuff you're you're probably not doing very good anyways you know what i mean like and i think the thing we haven't mentioned yet which is your specialty is calling i think that's going to come into play more so than anything yeah you there yeah did i lose you yeah, you lost me there for a second. What were you saying? Oh, weird. I said the one thing we hadn't brought up yet is, uh, which I think might be the biggest factor, is calling. Right. You know, we're thinking about this decoy spread and that decoy spread and this hide and that hide. Uh, and this coming from somebody who needs to work on his calling a lot more. <laughs> I think that's I, – I think people aren't giving enough attention to their – probably their their biggest asset right right are, are are you saying that from a place of like saying that calling will become more effective or less effective uh i think it's going to be more effective like good effective. calling i think i think as these geese get conditioned um to you know different decoy spreads to just the pressure that the more real goose sounds you and your party can make the better off you're going to be in convincing those birds to come to you. Right. Right. Well, I think too, you know, a big factor in that too is, is, you know, like there's so many different levels of goose callers. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's guys that are competing in contests and then there's, you know, so I, I, cause I've always thought about the factor of, you know, maybe like good calling will phase its way out, you know, but, then I think about it and it's like the ratio, you know, cause like when we go to a contest or whatever, it's not the number of guys competing in contests is way smaller than the number right. of guys hunting. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cause that's like the biggest thing that I have people tell me is like, like, um, on stale geese, you know, don't call a lot or whatever. And I think there is a time to not call so much. And so I've tried, I've, kind of tried laying off sometimes and sometimes it works, but there are days when you're right. Like if I have three of my buddies with me and we're all shredding on them, like we kill them and we probably wouldn't have killed them if we didn't have those other callers. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. No, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with the statement too. There's some days to, to put the call in your pocket. You know, I think we've, I think we've all had those days where, you know, you weren't in the field, you know, maybe you run to, town to get a breakfast pizza or something you come back and there's geese in the decoys and right with nobody calling you know what i mean so it's like okay well today maybe calling isn't the the answer and that could be a pressure thing too you know maybe a couple days you know maybe the sunday after opening weekend where everybody's ripping at them maybe a dialer back you know because every as soon as geese see other geese in the field they get screamed at 
maybe they pick up on that right away. I mean, it's it's something to toy with, you know. Right. Well, and I, I definitely agree with your statement of, you know, like calling will be more effective because I look at it from this way. I look at it from the fact that if, if you know, if you can't do a bunch of notes on a goose call, you don't even know what it's like to use them in the field. And on the days when you need the calling, you can't do that, but you can still choose not to bull your call if you can do all the fancy stuff or whatever. Right. You, you know yeah, I mean? you have more options if you know how to use the instrument to its full potential, for sure. It's yeah. like more lures in your tackle box. Exactly. You know? Precisely. Yeah, that's I I agree 100%. And that's something I need to work on, and I just don't. too many other irons in the fire that's my problem you know i got this this podcasting thing to do and there's bass fishing to be done and there's real work to be done it's you know it's tough but that's that's just an excuse feels a priority i'd make it a priority right 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 side note i'm sitting by a lake here and there's a big old flock of molts flying right over really oh yeah they're rolling i would say probably 60 Okay, that's a good. That's yeah, that's a good. That's a good flock. Get under them, see where they're going. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we covered the the gamut here, David. This was a this was a good one. Thanks for uh, filling in for me on the clutch. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for giving me the call, Dale. And I'm glad you I'm glad you came up to Fergus this year. That was a fun time. Yeah, so I'll have to well, do it again. yeah, for sure. I'll do it again. And just in general, we need to. Just to hunt together more, It'd be fun. Um, oh yeah. You got uh, well while you got your ear on. Remind everybody about Goose Brand. How's that going? Yeah, it's going good. It's going good. We're gonna um, we're gonna have a booth at uh, Game Fair. Oh, kick we, ass! Hopefully that goes on. Uh, get, uh, Goose Brand, and then I'll be there with Pit Properties. So okay. We're gonna be at Game Fair. You'll definitely have to come and check check it out. Um, we're gonna be putting a bunch of stuff on the website we're gonna have a bunch of fourth of july stuff and so we're rocking and rolling goosebrand.com or at goosebrand um i got a lot lot of hunting footage coming up this summer it's gonna be on my personal instagram uh david goose eight um i have a bunch of hunting footage that's gonna be released this summer so yeah start slow releasing it before the game fair build up that excitement Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right, David, thanks for thanks for being here. It was awesome. Thanks, Dale. Later, dude. Bye.